began a series last week called Daily Reminders. And we looked last week at what Scripture tells us about spiritual growth and how spiritual growth is a necessity. That when someone is baptized into Christ, that that's not the climax or the culmination of their faith journey. That is merely the official beginning. That when someone says, I am ready to be a child of God, I'm ready to walk with the Lord. I had a conversation just yesterday uh, with uh, a guy. I'm going to officiate uh, his and his fiance's wedding a week from today. But uh, I got word from his fiance that you know he wants to be baptized, and so we spoke on the phone. And uh, and I was prepared to say, well, okay, how did we, how did you get here? But I didn't have to ask anything. He was ready to talk about it. Uh, and I love that. I absolutely love that he just jumped right in and said, this is how I was raised. This is how I grew up. This is what I was taught to believe. And I've been studying scripture with my fiance. And now I'll tell you, church, those are beautiful words for a preacher to hear. I hope they're beautiful words for you to hear. But for him to say, I've been studying the Bible with my fiance. And then for him to say, I realize that I need to do this. And so we've made plans for his baptism. And so hopefully that's all going to come to fruition very soon. And uh, But that is not going to be the culmination or the climax of his faith journey. That merely is the marker of the beginning of his journey. It's the marker of the beginning of all of our journeys. And so last week I, I mentioned that last week was about the what and the weeks to come. And that begins today is about the how. How is it? What can we do on a daily basis to grow spiritually? And so today we are looking specifically about being people of gratitude, being people who are thankful, not on occasion, but being people who have hearts of gratitude and live lives of thankfulness on a daily, ongoing basis. And so let's begin with uh, in Psalm 105. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim His name. Make known among the nations what He has done. Sing to Him. Sing praise to Him. Tell of all His wonderful acts. Glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and His strength. Seek His face. Win, church, always. And so I'm going to pause there for just a moment because I love make known among the nations what He has done. If you've been joining us on Wednesday nights this summer, we're doing something a little different. We're spending the first 15 or 20 minutes over in the gathering place. And, uh, and then we, we all meet there together. And uh, then we have folks like Asher and Baker and some of our other little guys are leading us in songs. Uh, they're, they're studying the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5. 
And it's a beautiful thing just for us all to gather together for those first 50 or 20 minutes then before we, the adults migrate back in here for our Bible study. But I am so thankful to see the willingness of these little ones to get up and lead songs like we saw this morning and to lead prayers. And one of the things that's so important for us, because one of the songs that we sing is, This Little Light of Mine. And so we may make the mistake, church, of dismissing that song, well, it's just a cute little children's song. But aren't we supposed to be letting our light shine in the world around us? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. It's a declaration. Not I hope to let it shine. This little light of mine, I am going to let it shine. I am going to engage the dark spaces and the dark hearts of this world. And I'm going to let my light shine before others. And that's exactly what the psalmist is saying here is uh, make known among the nations what he has done. When we let our light shine, we are letting people know God is in me and this is what God has done for me. Verse 5, remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he pronounced. You his servants, the descendants of Abraham, his chosen ones, the children of Jacob, he is the Lord our God, his judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever, the promise he made for a thousand generations, the covenant he made with Abraham. The oath he swore to Isaac, he confirmed it to Jacob as a decree, to Israel as an everlasting covenant. To you I will give the land of Canaan as the portion you will inherit. And if you were to go on and read all of the 45 verses of Psalm 105, you see so much of Israel's history laid out by the psalmist there. Reminding the readers... Because they would have sung this. The Psalms are the ancient hymnal of the church. And they would have sung about all the things that God did for their ancestors, for the generations of God's children that preceded them. And in our daily lives, can't we look back? Couldn't we write a song ourselves? Couldn't we write something down that says, these are some of the peaks that God brought me to, and these are some of the valleys that He brought me out of. There's a well-known sports broadcaster named Ernie Johnson Jr. His uh, late father... Ernie Sr. was a, uh, a professional pitcher uh, in Major League Baseball, and he uh, was also a, a broadcaster himself for the Atlanta Braves for many years. But Ernie talks about these things in life called Blackberry Moments, and, and uh, the term Blackberry Moments was coined as a result of when Ernie was eight years old, he was playing baseball. And there was a ground rule double. So you know what a home run is. You hit the ball over the fence. A ground rule double means it bounces over the fence. And so they had to stop the game because the left fielder and the center fielder climbed the fence to go get the ball. Now, 
Uh, evidently, it wasn't a smooth lawn behind that left field fence uh, because you know they had to, it took them a while to find it. Matter of fact, everybody you know, they got tired of waiting and they, they went to go find the left fielder and the center fielder. Wondered where they in the world they were. It is that hard to find this baseball? Well, guess what, y'all? The left fielder and the center fielder were sitting in the middle of a bunch of blackberries. And they were eating blackberries. They were like, man, look at these things are plump and ripe. And so they just sat down there out beyond the left field fence just eating blackberries. And so they forever in the Johnson family coined the phrase blackberry moments. That are these moments where you don't plan it, it just surprises you. And you are blessed with something that you never could have planned for. And what Ernie Johnson talks about is that blackberry moments come in the parts of life where you would not expect blackberry moments. Ernie Johnson says that one of his blackberry moments was being diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma because he said that it was because of that cancer diagnosis that his faith became so much stronger. And some of you know what that means. Some of you know what that's like to have some kind of event in your life, some kind of diagnosis, some kind of something that just brings you to your knees for a bit. And you say, dear God, I can't do this without you. And then when God delivers you out of that pit, out of that low place, it might be health related, it might be financial, it might be related to a relationship situation. But that God brings you out of that place and you have a much deeper heart of gratitude because of that. Another one of the Johnson family's Blackberry moments was when Ernie and his wife, because uh, I think they have six children total, four of them are adopted. And so they were watching uh, some kind of news program and they were talking about the orphanages of Romania. And so they decided that they were going to adopt a child from Romania. And so... Uh, Mrs. Johnson goes uh, to Romania. Ernie had to stay back and he was broadcasting a, a PGA tournament event. I think for CBS, but anyway, uh, he's, he's doing his job that he was uh, contracted to do. And so uh, his wife is in Romania and uh, the plan was to adopt an infant girl. But then there was a boy there that just touched his wife's heart. And she called from Romania and it was not long after he had gone off the air for the golf broadcast and she said, the ladies here in the orphanage say, you don't want him, he's no good. But she said, Ernie, I've got to bring this child home. The little boy had a form of muscular dystrophy doctor said he will not live beyond his teens. Maybe his late teens if you're lucky. In October of 21 their son Michael died at the age of 33. 
And Ernie Johnson will tell you that he is one of their best Blackberry moments. Because to have enjoyed him as being part of their family for those decades, not years, but decades, was such a blessing. Their son, Michael. And so, we talk about being thankful and having hearts of gratitude. Even in grief, even in loss, we can learn to be grateful. I remember when my father died in 1995, the first thing I did was fall flat on my face and praise God. He had given me a father while way far from perfect who still showed me what faith looked like. He modeled Christian faith, Christian manhood, being a Christian husband. And I cannot thank God enough for that. Even though He departed us way too early. I was in my 20s. Dad was in his 50s when he died unexpectedly that Tuesday afternoon. But I praise God and I am so thankful and grateful for the years that I had Him in my life. We look at Psalm 106. Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His love endures forever. Who can proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord or fully declare His praise? Blessed are those who act justly, who always do what is right. Remember me, Lord, when you show favor to your people. Come to my aid when you save them, that I may enjoy the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may share in the joy of your nation and join your inheritance in giving praise. We have sinned, even as our ancestors did. We have done wrong and acted wickedly. When our ancestors were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They did not remember your many kindnesses, and they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Yet he saved them for his name's sake, to make his mighty power known. And as we were reminded just a short while ago, as we gathered around this table once again, weren't we reminded that he saved us, church? Weren't we reminded that he saved us, church? Yes. Say it again. I'm giving you one more shot. Church! Because I know dead people can't sit up that straight. Weren't we reminded as we ate the bread and drank of the cup that he loved us enough to send us a Savior? Yeah. Yes. And shouldn't we at the very least, regardless of what we're going through on this side of glory, be thankful for that? That just as He conquered the grave through His shed blood and our faith, we have the hope of conquering the grave. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing.
a study by Sarah Algo, Chris Ovies, and others, other psychologists find that if we see someone express gratitude, we perceive them as being a better person. That people actually like us more when we express gratitude. They say that gratitude makes us willing to sacrifice for that person, not only to pay back our debts, but also to pay forward and help others. It's not like, oh great, you got me a present, now I have to get you something. It's not that kind of payback they write. It's a joyful payback. When you feel grateful, you not only go above and beyond to help the person to whom you're grateful, but you also pay it forward. That is, if I'm grateful to you and I see somebody else who needs help, I'm just as likely to help them. And so you see right there the, the scientific value of, of what's going on here. That, uh, that yes, God wants us to be grateful. We looked at, uh, in Luke's Gospel, just a few weeks ago, at uh, the, the encounter that Jesus had on the road with the ten lepers. And he tells them, go show yourselves to the priest. And then on the way, they start realizing, whoa, it's disappearing. Our skin, it's healed. And then nine of them take off. What's the other one do, church? He goes back and finds Jesus and says, Thank you so much. Look at this. You did this for us. And what was Jesus' response? Cool. No. It's not what He said. He said, Weren't the other nine healed as well? In other words, where's their gratitude? God wants us to be grateful and thankful people. As we begin to conclude our time together, uh, I want to read to you from a column in this month's uh, Christian Chronicle. Uh, Bobby Ross Jr. is pictured on the, on the slide here, and he is the editor-in-chief of uh, the Christian Chronicle. It's known as the International uh, Newspaper for Churches of Christ. And uh, Ross is a good writer, and I often try to read his uh, his uh, column when I remember to read the Christian Chronicle. But this one says a wife's journey, what it means to live in pain. He writes, you can't see the pain. You can't understand why the pretty woman in the burgundy SUV parks in the handicapped space. You can't figure out why the devoted Christian who taught children Sunday school classes and made homemade lasagna for fellowship meals stopped showing up for worship. You're her husband and you know she suffers from rheumatoid arthritis and other autoimmune diseases. You know her symptoms started about the time she turned 40. After two decades of marriage and when her three children were in their early and late teens. You know your wife, now 53, doesn't feel like getting out of bed some days, much less making dinner or watching a TV show together. 
You know she's an amazing writer and communicator, but had to stop working and go on long-term disability. You know she takes eight pills a day. You know she has a continuous release pain patch on her hip that she changes every 72 hours. You know the various medications, injections, infusions, and diets that she's tried over the years haven't helped long term. You know sadly that someone will read this column and immediately send a private message offering to sell her essential oils. You know she tries not to complain about the pain, but you know too that the pain is constant. She feels it in every joint, her knees, her wrists, her elbows. Her back hurts all the time. Flexing her hands sends a jolt through her entire body. You know the joy of her life is her family, her sons, her daughter, her daughters-in-law, but particularly her four-year-old grandson and two-year-old granddaughter. If she could, she'd spend every waking moment with those precious grandchildren. And sometimes she feels like sewing special pajamas for them and teaching them how to plant colorful perennials in the backyard. She feels like making fresh fruit smoothies for them and preparing the world's best grilled cheese sandwiches. But other times she has to stay in bed. She texts at the last minute and says she's so sorry, but she doesn't have the energy for a play date or a sleepover. She loves playing Legos with her grandson and organizing pretend tea parties with her granddaughter. But sometimes her body won't let her bend down far enough to reach the living room carpet. So she sends the text and then tears fill her eyes. You know her faith remains strong even if you drive alone to church each Sunday morning. You know that sitting for that long through the 60 minutes of worship would inflame her pain and make her joints even worse. You know that well-meaning fellow Christians uh, are unaware of what germs to the immunocompromise would ins and they'd insist on hugs and handshakes. You know she participates in the, assembly, in the assembly online. You know she finds comfort and hope in Jesus even in the worst times. You know her own journey and suffering have made her more aware, so much more aware of the trials of others. You know how often and how fervently she prays for those who are in pain, some of whom she knows personally, and others that she does not. You know she finds strength in her Savior. You know all of these things, and yet you still feel sorry for yourself sometimes. You miss her joining you on road trips and holiday drives to extended family, Thanksgiving and Christmas gatherings. You miss her cheering with you in the stands at Texas Rangers baseball games. You miss the generous life of the party who loved hanging out with friends and still would if only she felt well enough to do it. But in your less selfish moments, you praise God that she remains the utterly amazing woman you married despite all she has endured. You still turn first to her for column edits, including this one, but she didn't change a word. You still tell her first when you have good news or bad to share.
You still watch in amazement as she always remembers to send loved ones birthday cards, holiday gifts, and text messages congratulating them on accomplishments, big and small. You still love that she lights up every room she enters, and you relish even more the times, be it a meal out with the family or a short cruise in the Caribbean. When she feels like doing it, you pray for patience and compassion, especially on those days when she looks so normal on the outside, but battles physical demons on the inside. You can't see the pain, but you know it's always there. I hesitated about reading all of that because of its length, but I thought that that five minutes was time well spent. Because it brings us perspective about how people who even though they're enduring such pain, such physical hardship in every waking moment, what do they do, church? They still hold on to their faith. They're still an example for others. They still take the time to pray for others. Still taking the time to send cards of encouragement text messages of congratulations, celebrating with people, like he said, big and small accomplishments. That no matter where we are in life, no matter how much pain we're enduring, that we can still be people who are grateful and thankful to God for giving us life and for sending us a Savior church family, let us all be people who practice that kind of gratitude. I have people tell me sometimes, I want to hear something, Greg, on Sunday that I can put into practice on Monday morning. And this is one of those times where you don't need to wait till Monday morning. You can put it into practice right now. That we will be committed to being people who find reasons, who look at our lives through a proper perspective, through a proper lens, and we are grateful, not grumbling and complaining, and yes, the Lord's speaking to me right now. Not people who look at the things in life that fall short, the people in life who fall short, but being grateful for all of life's victories being grateful for a loving and gracious God and that we will reflect His love and His graciousness by practicing, putting into practice, being intentional about being people who are grateful and thankful on an ongoing basis. Going to let the Word of God have the final word here before we offer our invitation. First Thessalonians five sixteen through eighteen. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I'm going to ask you to stand, church, and let's read this again together. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 
And we find that in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. If you are with us this morning and you are ready to begin your walk with God, then we offer the, the invitation song to give you the opportunity to walk the aisle. And we will receive you and we will discuss with you about where you are on, the, on your faith journey. And we will offer the waters of baptism if that's what is appropriate this morning. And if you're with us this morning and you have some other concern, something weighing on you that you could use the prayers of a faithful body, then we invite you to respond to the invitation so that we can take a moment and pray with you. Let's sing this song. <laughs>